Jen Bosworth Ramirez. And I'm Gina Polici. We went to theater school together. We survived it, but we didn't quite understand it. 20 years later, we're digging deep, talking to our guests about their experiences and trying to make sense of it all. We survived theater school, and you will too. Are we famous yet? Hey. Very hey. Wait, Snowball's the name of your microphone? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, they named it. I, I didn't. <laughs> hey, let me run this by you. So, okay. Um, are we ready? Should I run this by you? Okay. All right. So let me run this by you. Do you I'm just wondering, do you have something that you purchase at a store that's kind of weird that normally people don't buy at a store? So, I go to Walgreens all the time and I booked a big Walgreens commercial. So people think this is why I, it's not true. I went to Walgreens way before. So right before it was cool. (laughs) Before. Yeah. Is it cool? Anyway. Um, so, um, so I buy clothing from Walgreens. So I buy underwear and socks and leggings and I bought a tunic there the other day. And I I was talking to believe They have that stuff there. I didn't know they had that stuff. Gina, this is the reaction I get from most people, which is, which is they sell clothes. And I'm like, how do you not know that? So I guess my question is, I'm just running it by, are there things you buy at places that people are like, like, um, like tacos from the gas station <laughs> or. Okay. I know what you're talking about yeah. stuff from Costco or something. Cause I'm just wondering like, Oh, am I the only person that buys things from Walgreens that are like pretty much, you could almost say it's inappropriate to buy at Walgreens. (laughs) (laughs) So do you buy like Costco? Do you have anything that you buy? Do you go to Costco? You do, right? Well, Costco is basically all about that. No, no, it's, it's, that's exactly what it is. It's like, you can buy your coffin there. You can buy your snow tires there. Wait, excuse me. You can buy a coffin. Yes. Yes. You can buy your coffin there. That's the mm-hmm. thing. I want to buy a coffin just like to have in my house. I bet Nick Cage <laughs> has that. He oh, had all I'm kinds curious. of weird stuff. But like, um, okay. So you buy, what do you buy from Costco that you're like, if they put it on the news, you might be embarrassed. Oh, that's a good question. Any mm-hmm. large tubs of, I mean. Yeah. I buy tubs of everything because I have so many people to yeah, feed. That's house. true small army. And I hate, I mean, I have a real love hate relationship with Costco because they have great stuff in great quantities, but then I bring it home and I have to shoehorn all this shit into my cabinets and I never seem to have enough room. Um, and all of the packaging like that comes with it, you have to deal with. I feel like we make so much trash and so much waste, but I, there has to be something at Costco. Or, or like at gas stations, do you buy? Because I also buy weird stuff from gas stations. So maybe I'm just weird. Like I'm just running it by you. Just <laughs> Oh, well, one thing is we, is not that odd, but we sometimes buy like the kids toys from CVS or Walgreens because they have a very good selection. That's what I'm saying. And they're cheaper than at target and at other places and you'd be shocked like okay like walgreens has saltines like actual saltines that are called 
something else. They're not called saltines, but they, they are the saltine cracker. Okay, if you go to other stores, they don't have them. They have like their store brand. And um, when I when I used to drink a lot, I used to have to have saltines and Gatorade and it had to be. So now my comfort food is still saltines and Gatorade and I make my husband go get them. But you'd be surprised. Like Walgreens has, look, it has everything I need. And everything you need. Whatever the AMPM doesn't have. Right. Because I live next door to the AMPM. AMPM yesterday, I got, I go there once a day. Um, the guy finally said, do, do you live near here? And I said, yes, I live next door at the, at, well, now I'm saying where I live. Don't come hurt me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but <laughs> but um, so anyway, I just wanted to run it by you because like I get a majority of my underpants at Walgreens. Hanes her way. Great. I think you are being efficient. You're maximizing your time. You're listen, why not? I mean, they, what I living in New York city, that happens all the time because they sell everything at the bodega, like at the bodega, you can go down and get your coffee and get your breakfast sandwich and then also pick up laundry detergent for later and lottery tickets. If you buy those and cigarettes, if you smoke scratch offs and flowers, like, you know, fresh flowers they'll have outside. A lot of people who come to New York for the first time are like, all this stuff is in one place. It's so weird, but I have bought groceries from many a, a pharmacy because you're there. Absolutely. You're waiting for your prescription. You're taking a little mosey around, seeing what looks good to you. I always end up buying things that I don't need, though. Like I buy makeup and stuff that I never use. I'll never things I won't wear. Things, but I also I do that a lot from Costco too. I buy things. Well, that's I yeah. I don't have a Costco membership. Whenever I go with a friend who does, I come home with like down vests for me and my dog that I don't have, and like oh my god, you know, like true. that kind of stuff. So I I don't, I try to stay out of Costco as much as possible i have my friend will bring me stuff if but i but i'm i'm definitely a, a pharmacy shopper like a now do you buy things online no oh from walgreens no i mean just like do you, do you buy any of your basics online no no because there's only two of us right so so i mean i could do i try i'm trying not to use amazon so um but like there's only two of us so i feel like four rolls of toilet paper actually lasts you know what I mean so like yeah. to buy in bulk and also we have the smallest one bedroom house so or apartment so like again storing all this stuff I'm like oh, yeah. I have to get real creative I mean I'm literally in a closet right now well okay of. so I think that my corollary if I don't necessarily buy weird things at a weird place my corollary is I have everything delivered like you everything i get my costco delivered oh i didn't even know they really delivered instacart and my dream would be to live in la because you can postmates everything you can postmates everything you can postmates gym shoes you can postmates you can postmates makeup from the nar store you can postmates but the but people have a problem with postmates they say it's the least reliable delivery service so like if you order eggs you might end up with like i don't know nair or like some other <laughs> yeah 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 so anyway i just wanted to run that by you because i just was like everyone i talked to is like you bought a tunic from walk and I, okay so tunic is a little generous of a phrase a word it's more like a like a schmate or a mumu kind of or like a did you ever get into that thing i think i did see this at walgreens it's jeggings like a stretch- 
No, it's like a stretchy thing. And they start, they're like, it's a tube top. It's a neck gaiter. It's a hair. No, but that is my, that is awesome. No, I don't, right? I don't, I don't go into like the all in one kind of situations. I feel like you have to be pretty adventurous to do that, but I did buy jeggings from Walgreens. So um, do you have what? Okay. Where, since we're talking about fashion, where do you, do you wear, um, how do you feel about having socks on your feet? Like, do you wear socks no matter what? I have a pair of your socks. You gave me a pair of Bombas um, when I was visiting. When I, uh, uh, not in LA. I, I, I rarely wear socks in LA. Miles has, uh, I always say he's old and has poor circulation. And so he is freezing on his feet. So he always has to have socks. But I, I'm not a big sock person. I mean, I what wear about- with shoes. When you lived in Chicago and All it was really time. cold, did you wear those like slipper socks? No, because they made my feet sweat. Yes. There's a material in there that is no good. It's terrible. And every year my mom buys me a pair of those. So she and put every, them in the stocking? Yes. And every year I'm like, oh, thank you. It's okay. And I have like 12 pairs of these things. And when I'm really cold and really desperate, I will put them on. And then like five minutes later, it's because they're made from polyester. The only way that they can be that warm and fuzzy is that it's not a real material. I'm a real cotton kind of a gal, especially for things really close to my skin and my crevices. Cotton. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Okay. So I have another question. What about brands of clothing or anything that you thought were for old people that you found yourself getting into? Well, I haven't cross the Chico's barrier yet. I refuse, I I refuse to do that, but there's a brand, um, that I like called, um, flax. Like it, oh, it's like linen. uh, Um, so it's, it's like, um, it's very close to Chico's. Let's just say that. But the brand that I do love is Eileen Fisher. That I was going to ask you about Eileen Fisher. It's like comfortable and stuff. It's comfortable. It's also expensive as hell. So like, I was like, oh, I, 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 I'll buy this sweater from, you know, Nordstrom Rack on sale. Still $198, you know, for a sweater. Okay. Like, yeah. come on. Yeah. So, I, but I love Eileen Fisher. And that's a brand that I always associated with people, my mother, like, people who are older. But what about the other way? Do you shop at Forever 21? No, Forever no. Okay. I, I just, there's, it's interesting. I will shop at Walgreens and yet I won't shop at Forever 21 for clothes. I just feel like literally going in there, I feel 103 years old, but I also feel like the clothes will disintegrate in my hand. Like yeah. Yeah. my niece loves it. My nieces love it. But no, I, I'm not. What about I, you? I don't go to Forever 21, but I kind of think anthropology falls into that category. And I, I, so I always felt like anthropology was so expensive. I would never shop there when I was young. And then when I could afford it, I one day had this realization like, oh, I could buy, I'd never purchased clothing there from, from there in my life. One day I thought, oh, I could buy like something from anthropology. So I did a few times and they're all things I never ever wear. Cause it's none of it is flattering on me. I think it's made for a certain type of girl and it, but it's cute. It's like cute prints and everything like that, but it's not worth what it, how much it costs. I don't think. Right. I agree. And I think that it is, um, yeah, it's like high end forever 21 totes and, 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 um, it's pretty, but it's, it's not, 
it's not, it's nothing. Um, if I'm going to do that, I'll just do mod cloth online. Do you know mod no, cloth? I've seen advertisements for it, but I've never. Only bummer about that is you can't try anything on, but, but um, if I'm going to go the anthropology route, I'll just do mod cloth. Cause they seem, they have, they have some cuter stuff, but it's all mostly, let's just be honest. It's like not made well. Most, Every, most everything is not made well. I, yeah, I totally agree. Well, might as well shop at Walgreens. Walgreens. I agree. I love it. Okay. All right. Today on our show, we have a very old and dear friend. Well, he's not very old. He's just, <laughs> he's just as old as we are. He's 107. He's Rip Van Winkle, actually. He's been asleep <laughs> for 40 years. Today on the show, Rip Van Winkle. Uh, no, we have Eric Slater. And I think by the time this comes out, we will be seeing him. Yes. Oh, yes. On Fargo. Yes. Eric Slater, big Fargo, big Fargo. Um, uh, I call him the Fargo superstar. I mean, he might not agree with that, but he's on Fargo on FX. Amazing. Amazing. Check out that show if you haven't seen it. And he he's the kind of guy who when you see him, you go, oh, yeah, he was in that. Yes. I saw him in he's- that thing. He's that kind of guy. He's he's he still makes his living. He's one of our cohort that makes a living in theater as well as film and TV, which I think I mean, um, I think is amazing. So he does a ton of theater, and he um, is a dad and an all around cool guy. Yeah, enjoy our interview with Eric Slater. Anyway, so you survived theater school. Congratulations. Congratulations. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> That's it. That's the end of the podcast. That's it. Good night. And <laughs> this was great. It's good to and, see you. And if I'm not mistaken, you have been doing what you went to school for consistently since then. Pretty much the whole time. There was a, there was a short period of time where I uh, quit um I, well i've quit like six times right but i uh, no, d- there was a period of time for about um seven months where i quit and i was going to go write for chicago life magazine and um yeah i was i just kind of sitting in there and toiling away and i got a call from a director and he was just like are you doing this or not and i i was like yeah sure i'll come back and i'll do it and th- since then i've just been back Wow. When was that, yeah. Eric? When did that quitting happen? I love a the good early, story. The early 2000s. It was, it was right, yeah, like 2003. 2003. Probably. Gotcha. What yeah. prompted it? What prompted your big I quit? Uh, brokenness. Yeah. Being very, very poor. Um, which is a, a, a massive motivator for yeah, you, you know, I mean, it's not the work, it's the life. It's, it's always, it, you know, it's like, that's the thing that no one's really prepared for, no matter how many times you hear it, or how many people say to you, like, it's tough out there. Um, it's tough out there. It's, it can get pretty, um, it, it can get pretty lonely. And then, you know, you have friends that are doing well and they want to go grab a beer or they want to go to a nice restaurant. And you're like, I, I, I don't think I can do that uh, responsibly. So you do it irresponsibly. Oh. And then um, you find yourself in really terrible situations. Yeah. So I, I kind of, uh, I, I kind of walked away for just a couple of months, but then, um, but you know, well, you came back. 
I came back. Who was There's the, no what was the project that, that the guy, like, sounds like you were saying you are, he had already asked you to do it and you said no. No, no, actually he, I, I just kind of like walked away. I just kind of really just like ghosted on the whole thing. It was like, I, I stopped all correspondence with people. Like wow. his name's, uh, the director's name is John Barry. He, he's interested. Yeah. He works in Chicago. He's all great. The time. He's a great he's director. Very, he, yeah. And he's a really good friend. He and I actually, we did, I don't know if it was the same for him, but for me, it was my first show out of school together. Um, or the second show out of school, the first show I did out of school was, um, like just a bunch of people from school doing something for around the coyote in Chicago. Uh, but the second one where I was like, I got, I auditioned and I got cast and all of that. Um, it was called shaker groove thing. And it was at the Griffin theater and it was a, um, a disco farce. Really? And who did you play? I played a, a lawyer who was uh, a cocaine doing philandering jerk. Oh, and it fun. was um, a blast. Um, but then I, when I was ta- kind of taking that break, I had done other things since then. He was doing. He had moved on to directing, and uh, he was doing a production of the Fifth of July by Lanford Wilson, and the, it was just. Again, another jerk, but a really good part. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and well it was written. like, yeah, sure. I mean, do you know that I'm fat now? And he was just kind of like, I don't really care. And I was like, well, if you don't care, I don't really care either. Let's do it. You know, because I did it. in that period of time where I quit, I went from you know 200 to 230, something in there. It didn't take very long to just. No, it doesn't take uh, very long to put it right on. Taking it yeah, off is another matter. Pack it on. Just pack it on. So one of the things that we're asking people is uh, when or how or what was the circumstances under which you decided that you were going to go to theater school, that you were going to apply to theater school, and that's what you were going to do for your college experience? I really limited my choices in high school and and some instances purposely. I, um, I wasn't, uh, I, I wasn't a bad student, but I, I didn't enjoy school and, um, I had, uh, drama classes that I really did enjoy. Uh, I had art classes that I really did enjoy. Mm. Uh, people told me that I was, you know, uh, good or, uh, or good enough where I could try. And, uh, I was like, yeah, this is. I, I had some opportunities to kind of play sports in college and kind of, you know, get an engineering degree or something like that. Um, but I, I remember having a conversation with my mom and she was just like, why don't you do something where, you know, get the engineering degree, go play soccer here or whatever. And uh, through that conversation, I just realized it was like, the, what I want to do is play soccer. I, I, I'm not going to be a professional soccer player. <laughs> Uh, but I could maybe kind of forge something in the arts and it was a, it was a BFA. So if it didn't work, I could go to graduate school. I could, you know, be a doctor. I could go do something else. I could, uh, there was plenty of room for me to make a lot of mistakes. Um, so it seemed like the right time. And, um, yeah, so I I kind of picked a handful of schools. There were, uh, there were a few, and um, I ended up getting into uh, 
uh, two schools in New York and one in Seattle. And Seattle was just way too far away from my family. That's North Carolina. Um, was it- yeah, North Carolina is where I'm from. Yeah, and then um, I went to I went to New York to audition for all of these schools at the same time. Um, and North Carolina School of the Arts was 20 minutes away from my house, so that was out. Seattle was too far away, and just walking around New York City at 16, oh I think God. 17. Um, I was really kind of on my own for most of that like four day period. And I realized, um, that city just intimidated me to no end. And I really didn't kind of feel like myself and I didn't enjoy that. I, I got lost on the subway and I saw this weird. I'm surprised you ended up, you didn't end up dying. Well, yeah, right. Everybody from North Carolina said the same thing. They were like, thank God you're home. Um, no, but it was just like I saw things that like I, I just wasn't prepared for. I, there was a homeless guy that stole my lunch like on the train, like took it. And I was like, I, you know, I want to be a good person and say, you know, here, here. But at the same time, I was like, you stole from me. And then I'm fighting with a I'm like arguing with the homeless guy on the train. And I still had a pretty thick southern accent. So I really looked like a rube and people were giggling. And it was just like it was an embarrassing situation. And so New York was like I was like, yeah, the schools are great, but I, I just don't you know, it didn't the city didn't jive and um but i knew i wanted to be in a bigger place than where i was from and although i'd never seen chicago in my life i was just like well it's 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 smaller than new york um i know that the school is really really good i did a ton of reading about it and i was just like yeah i know the school is really good and uh the guy who i ended up talking to his name is avery avery brooks i Oh, I think he was the person. He was like the point person for the auditions in New York, uh, and Jim Osselhoff, right? And I and Jim Osselhoff reminded me of uh, a soccer coach, which helped. Yeah. And uh, Avery Brooks just kind of told me what the school is about, and I was like, "Yeah, that makes a lot of sense." And again, I felt like I had a lot of room. You know, I felt like if I didn't like it, I could just go. And because of the cut system at the theater school specifically, I knew that like, well, if I wasn't making it, at least somebody else would be there to be like, hey, this isn't right for you. Go away now. And, <laughs> you know, I'd cry for a little bit and then get an engineering degree. It'd be fine. You know? um, I, have a, I have a question. When you auditioned for those schools, you auditioned for DePaul in New York City? Yes. Or did you come to? Oh, okay, right. Yeah, I did so, all of the schools at once. Even North Carolina School of the Arts. I didn't even go to. I had been to North Carolina School of the Arts, but I, even North Carolina School of the Arts, they were part of this thing called um, the, the consortium. Unified, yeah, the yeah, consortium. Like a, yeah, yeah, the consortium thing. And um, so, do you remember our, what you did? I did Lancelot Gabo's speech from Merchant of Venice. I remember that you did it at at DePaul too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, I mean, it was just like, hey, do a Shakespeare monologue. I was like, okay, here you go. It was good. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think I'm better now. <laughs> I remember there was a part where you have to say your name, like poor Lancelot, poor Gabo, um, poor Lancelot Gabo. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, you, you know, and I looked like a kid, and I was thinner then, so it works. It's like if I was to do that now, people would be like, you're just insane. <laughs> I mean, you just need to be on on serious serious medication. Um, Does that mean all of the 
schools were sitting in together? No, 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 no. There were different schools I, over the course of like three or four days. Um, oh. And then some schools had like callbacks set up. Oh. Like NYU like had like a callback situation set up where it's like you went for the first round. If they liked you, they'd call you back later that afternoon. Or, I, you know, this was a while ago, so I'm, I may be getting some of this wrong. But I, that's the that's fact that you even remember what your audition was like. I mean, if you put a gun to my head, I couldn't tell you. What well, that's, that's the thing about being I, 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 I'm not a terribly studious person. But a lot of times, like if I take the time to memorize something, it's really locked in there. It's in there for a long, long time. Um, and that one, just because just because it's Shakespeare, it's like, you know, every once in a while, you kind of come back to stuff like that. And you're like, well, you know. If I need yeah. it, it's still there. Right. Well, I think also you're a working like actor. Play. You're a working actor. So like you're used to, if someone, if you audition, someone might say, Hey, do you have something else? Um, right. And then you can, you can do that. I mean, for those of us, for me now, if someone was like, Hey, could you, you know, uh, can you also do a monologue? I'd be like, uh, but you're, 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 you are in the field in, in which you study that's, that stuff, which is. That's, well, I thought it was, I, I thought, I always thought, you know, acting was so much fun for me, but it was also like such a huge escape. Like in the beginning, it was a, it was this opportunity for me to be somebody else. And I didn't always necessarily like who I was. So it was something that I could invest in to get away from myself. And as I've gotten older, it's one of those things where it's like, it brings me closer and closer and closer to my identity, like who I am really. Um, and so like the gifts of the art are huge. I mean, the dividends just pay and pay and pay and pay and pay. Um, and, you know, the money is the money and it shows up and it goes away. But but really, the, the important stuff is... Mm -hmm. So how did your expectation of what going to a conservatory would be like compare with what it was actually like for you? I had no idea. I had no idea what I was getting into. I I I knew that conservatory. I loved the word conservatory. I thought it was so cool. I <laughs> uh, I but I really had. Um, I I knew that it was going to be a lot closer to like a trade school than it was going to be like a regular kind of an undergraduate education, uh, which I appreciated. So I could just kind of really like focus and work on the thing that's in front of me because that's that's really what I wanted to do. Um, so it would, for me, it was a very, very good fit. Um, and thank goodness it was because, you, you know, I really didn't know. I mean, there wasn't any, I, I just, I, I, in, in the second year of the theater school, I just remember not sleeping and it wasn't because we were like partying or putting a bunch of stuff up our nose. It was because it was like the workload was immense yeah. i mean it was just immense yeah and then the the whole time you know i'm in speech classes with people telling me that i don't know how to say the word like intend correctly or i you, you know and it's just like so you have this kind of critical element behind you but then all of the the kind of the the very rigorous kind of uh, physical and academic work in front of you all the time it was just like i i I felt really underwater for at least nine months of that year. <laughs> it was really tough. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you know, what's amazing to me is your memory of this whole thing. Cause 
Gina and I talk a lot about how we either were, well, I'll speak for myself, like either traumatized or blacked out part of it, or like you have a very good memory of your experience. Um, so that's, that's fascinating. Much more of right? a kind it's of like, a, but more of a kind of a, a documentarian's approach to it as opposed, I really felt like I was outside of myself for much of that period. Interesting. Because again, I don't think I really knew who I was, you know, and you're, yeah. you're in the middle of you're, you're being taught an unteachable art form that is all about yes. you being who you are. And oh, so yes. I never, I was never in a situation at the theater school where I was just like, yeah, that's it. That's, yeah, that's that's it. It was years later for me when I was doing something else, and I'd be like, "Oh man, I I had that six years ago, and I didn't even, I didn't even." Yeah, know. dude, I remember that about you. I remember you being the person whose ratio of confidence to what they could actually do was the most out of whack. Like th there was people who were really confident and didn't have any talent, and then there was people who um had talent and who were not confident but like somewhere in there sort of knew that they were really talented i feel like you were constantly at least saying that you were crap and you were always good like yeah everything i have a similar thing oh, everything yeah very kind of you yeah so. And I ha I have a I have a memory. I agree with that. And I also have, have a memory of you being able to play roles with depth of older people that other people could not play in your age range. So there was something like you could play a Willie Loman type character in college and the rest of us there's no way there's no way we'd be like uh did she put baby powder in her hair uh, so so and she so did and she did put <laughs> that's what happened um so so that yeah how do you how might you think that how that came about like uh, the depth if you have any any feedback on like your depth, where does it come from? Where did it come from? As a, even though you were a kid, I mean, I I don't really consider myself a terribly deep person. Just qualifying that straight off the bat, but but I, the things that I do have and the things that I can draw on are ninety percent of it family re related. I, I had a really very, I had a very strong family coming up. Like they were involved in every, I, I, like I had aunts and uncles all over the country, but whenever they were in town, they were just wholly invested in me and my brother and my other cousins. It's like th there was zero lack of support there. Um, I think I was, I faced some things a little earlier on. My father passed away when I was 12. And so I think I faced some things a little earlier on that I think a lot of people in the theater school just didn't really know about. Um, and I also was very good at hiding. Um, and when you get very good at hiding, that means you get pretty good at identifying what you're hiding from. And th those things, D those will help you understand people in crisis. Hmm. I, I, I mean, oh. 
I, I, if you're running away from something, typically you have a pretty good idea, either consciously or subconsciously, what you're running away from. So that, you, you know, I, I, I picked a career where that becomes a strength. Yeah, definitely. Wow. Yeah. Do you? So speaking of Willie Loman, I'm trying to remember the roles that you did and what shows you were in. See, this is where things get foggy for me. I, 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 um, yeah, I, I did Miss Alliance and I did Merrily We Roll Along. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. and I did Miss Alliance a second time, like five years after school, and I played the same role up at Writers Theater in Chicago. And it was revelatory. It was so cool to come back to something and play it again. It was. I, it was incredible. Like that was one of the coolest experiences I've ever had. Mike Maggio uh, from the Goodman directed uh, the one at the theater school. And I remember just not understanding anything, just uh, literally just being completely making myself physically into that character and not really understanding anything that I said. Um, and it was a really, uh, I felt uh in terms of like the body of work that I created at the theater school, one of the weakest things that I did. And then professionally later, like getting a chance to go back and kind of take that back for myself That's was a really beautiful awesome. thing, actually. Um, yeah. So those are the three things I did in the fourth year. And then I did the visit with you, Jen. Didn't we do the visit? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We played husband and yeah, wife. That's right. And Is, yeah, did Rick Murphy great. direct that? No, that was Nick Bowling. No. Nick Bowling did it as his graduate thesis. Uh huh, and then um, and then I played a uh, uh, the glory of living. I played a like a psycho killer in that. That's a Rebecca Goldman play. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember the first. Oh no! And then that's I did okay. Androcles and the Lion. I did a the kids. Oh, uh, that's right. The Androcles and the Lion. Yeah, that was fun. That was Yay. a good one. That was a good. Yeah. One. That I have to funny. say, you, you I mean, you're you were you're, good you're, you did good shows. Yeah. No, I was really comparatively shit? speaking. No. No, I wasn't in the adding machine. Oh. That was one of the. I, I I really wanted to be in that one. There were there were some big disappointments. At, uh, the adding machine was one of them. I really wanted to be in that one, and I really wanted to be in the seagull, like really bad. Oh, and I I was the seagull. That one hurt my feelings. I got my feelings. Who really directed bad. that? That was, was it... Bella. Bella. And oh. I. I remember talking to her, like go making an appointment and talking to her in her office after not getting it. And just, and I waited for the show to open and I saw it and I was just like, you know, can I talk to you about it? And she knew I was coming. Right. So I sit down and I was just like, so what's the problem? What's your problem with me? Why couldn't I be in that show? Um, and her response was like, I, I didn't want you in it. And I was like, Oh, okay. Damn. She, you know, I, that that's well, I once was, it went to her crying because Bill Burnett, Bill Burnett, is that a voice and speech guy or something? Anyway, mm-hmm. I don't remember. Okay. He made me cry somehow. I don't know what the heck was going on. And I was wandering the that halls. seems to for, be one of his goals. Oh, well, his, he, he can to see people. suck it. The, the, the door to her office was open. So I went in there and I was like, and we never had met. We had never, ever. Mm-hmm. And I said, Dr. Ick, can I just tell you I'm struggling? Blah, blah, blah. And she said, I have one thing to say to you. And I said, yes. Yeah. She said, don't slouch. That was it. <laughs> and then I left. <laughs> That's great. For That's you, 
You confronted her. Look at you. I confronted everybody. I was very, I was you very did? confrontational. Like when I needed to be, I was, oh. I was pretty like, I didn't. Yeah, I, I had a lot of respect for for the faculty, but I, I was very quick to be like, "What's the problem?" That's amazing. That's so awesome. <laughs> that's <Wait>. amazing. <laughs> the rest of us are like, "Please don't cut me." Yeah. Well, that's that, that's a whole other subject. But wait, I have to ask: Did we audition for individual? Play? I feel like. Did you audition specifically for the seagull? Like, you, did we pick the plays that we wanted to audition for? No, you just no, you auditioned for, for everything. everything, right? Yeah. If I if I remember correctly, I think we went in for everything. There would be like, you know, four days or three days or whatever, oh, and then you had to sign God. up. You, you know, that giant call board, that, and you signed up for your slot, and you just oh, went that's like on right. mass. Like we're all sitting in the hallway together, and. You know, you know oh, that person wants this and this person wants that. It got very it, oh, it, that's and right. and oh oh oh, oh and then people. Um, I remember people saying like, "I'm gonna like like tank this one so I get the other one." You know, oh, like really right. like getting getting Survivor oh, on it. God. You know. Wait, did we do that for each term? I think so. I, well, not the first for... year, but the the second, third, and fourth year. I think so. I mean, Pretty there were sure, like the, yeah, we the to intros for... to production were the second year, and then yeah. the third year. Third year, so, I think we went into so the pool, each... right? So it was just like all the third and fourth years were either required or maybe you weren't required. I just did by default. If there was anything that I could do in a play, I would audition for it. Yeah, I think we did. And I don't remember I, this at all. Well, I think so we were called we, back, right, right, for the certain would get, ones that wanted us. Yeah. That's why I don't remember anything. <laughs> <laughs> Not one time. So, so does that mean, did we prepare our auditions in acting class? Not in class. No. no. We, had, we had to do it we on our own, it. on top of yeah. all that shit. That was part of the, and I remember, part of the stress of it, I think. Yeah. I remember going to auditions that I did not want to go to where like there was one where again, that Bill Burnett, we had to make him laugh was the audition. That was our whole goal. And you had moon shoes. You wore moon shoes. I wore a colander on my head and moon boots and tried to be an astronaut to the da na 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 dun 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 and he did not laugh no one laughed so i wait, moonwalked wait, out of there wait, and wait. i hated him ever since hated i remember him. that oh. i remember you being like oh this is all I, I got this is, uh, this is okay. i had you a guys remember, on my I, I don't know why head. i remember this but sean gunn what what he did for the make me laugh thing he went <laughs> uh, he booked that part though he, he got, got the part. part he went in he stood there completely silently and then he had somebody throwing tupperware throwing tupperware at him and he said tupperware <laughs> that was it that was his audition but because he he could have done anything and it would have been funny he's, he's a, funny a very guy. funny person yeah that is a very very funny <laughs> and, person. 
That's, I mean, anyway, I'm just thinking of the stuff we had to do. Like that was traumatizing. It was probably what, 20 seconds. We had 30 seconds right, to make right, a right. laugh or something. And that traumatized and 30 me seconds is so years. long. It's so why? long. I, it's like, and nobody yeah. laughed. And the thing is, it's like, why would you do that for 30 seconds? It's just, I mean, because even if it's funny in the first five, the last 25 seconds is just misery. You, you, yeah. you can't. Yeah. It's like. If you want to make somebody laugh, give them give them eight seconds. You have eight seconds. That's right. That's right. I I think we we should have done that. So wait, or who who did you have David too? Were we in the same acting class? David, uh, I'm calling. No, Uh, I had Rick Murphy the first year. Now David directed me in um, Under Milkwood in a in a intro, and that was really great, actually. That was beautiful. I saw that. It was beautiful. It was one of the first things. I think I I was in that. Yeah. You were. you were in it. I don't remember yeah. who I played, but I was in that. Well, we all played like seven things. Right. I directed that show, actually. That's probably why I picked it, because oh, I, wow. I, 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 in California. So you had, okay, so you had Rick. And what was, tell us, we were hearing people's uh, various thoughts and impressions about Rick. How did you find him as an acting teacher? Oh, I, I really liked him. I, I liked him. I thought he was... I, I thought he was just fascinating and lovely. I mean, he would be in my in, in a, the very short list of the teachers that I probably take with me the most. Hmm. Um, we got along really well, and I would run into him on the street after, like years later, I'd run into him on the street, like at a coffee shop or something. And I mean, we'd end up like laughing our asses off for 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 a while while I was kind of on my way to somewhere else. I just really. I, I just genuinely, genuinely liked him as a person. And, you know, and that took a lot of the intimidation out of it because he was teaching something very, very difficult. I mean, that, it, like that first year, I, that, I, it's amazing we all made it out of there with our skin. I mean, honestly, it was just a very, very hard thing to do. Yeah, I, I we also had to draw f- imaginary floor plans do you remember he made that us, we had he made to... us count the tiles i remember that like you had right. to count all the tiles in the room and then and then either right just before that or right after that he said now don't do anything and we all had to stand there and he said um okay so that's the only time that you'll have nothing to do in this class you will always have something to do and i was just like oh mm-hmm. okay Thank God, because I thought if it, it was just the standing there thing. Ugh. And then you get to your yeah. third year where half of it is just like, just stand there. Just stay. Just stand there. Just stand yeah, there. just stand there. Did you get warned or cut? I mean, not cut, but warned to be cut and all that? Or I no? don't I, think I, you... I don't remember if I did or not. I don't. I did not take it seriously. Oh. The, the, you weren't worried about it. If, were. I, if, if I were to get warned, then... I didn't take it seriously and I wasn't cut. So I never really, it was one of those things. I I can't remember who I was talking to about this once. I was just like, I'm not going to think about it. I don't have room for it. I just don't. I thought it was, I thought it was a ludicrous thing to do to people. But at the same time, it was also kind of my safety net. It was just like, if I have like this professional person telling me that I'm not really, you know, up to snuff. Well, maybe I'm not really up to snuff and I should think about something else. Or I could go and do stand up, which is kind of what I always wanted to do and just never told my mom. You know, it's just like it was, it's not like I had like a ton of other options, but I didn't really care about that part. Hmm. 
Yeah, you didn't really seem to care. Like, it's not something that I remember talking to you about and being like, oh, yeah, he's concerned about, you know, in my in my recollection. Yeah. And, and, and I really admire that in people. Yeah. To live in fear was really my jam. So <laughs> about everything. So I just really, when I hear that about people, I'm like, that is, it takes resilience and I'm like all about resilience these days, learning about it. So resilience to be like, I'm presented with this information and yet I'm going to choose at 18, 19 to not to put it over there and continue with the right. work and focus on the yeah. work. Well, that to me is like, that's revolutionary. Well, but right the there. thing, I mean, the thing was, it was like I, Don Ilko was my faculty advisor and I would go and sit in these meetings and he would just read off these lists of things that I needed to work on. Like just, he would just be like, okay, so here, here are the things that come up in the faculty meetings. And it would be like, here's the eight things you need to do. And that was something that was actionable. That was something I could do. But if you're going to warn me, what is a warning? It's an art. Go fuck yourself. I'm sorry. Pardon my language. But I mean, theory. No, no, you can say it. It's just such a dumb, it's a dumb thing. Because how can you expect like a 16, 17, 18-year-old person to understand like a warning? It's like saying this is going to go on your permanent record. Shut up. It's like you don't know. You don't know. It's like, you don't oh know how good God. I am. I only know how good I am. And if you give me a list of things to do, sure. But if you're just going to warn me to make me cry while I walk out of here, really, really. It's like, you're wasting your time. You're wasting my time. Look at Gina. <laughs> Gina's having a... I know. My mind, my is, mind blown. is blown because what? I never once considered until this very moment that it, warning was similar to... It'll go on your permanent record, like it was yeah. just an empty. Th I'm not. It wasn't an empty threat because people got cut. But I think of course. What, what we've I th we've talked to enough people that I think everybody got warned. Yeah, uh, which I, I is think to say, probably you know, everybody did. Yeah, um, it's, <laughs> I just to, didn't care <laughs> to keep people on their toes, and and so maybe it didn't work for people like you, but for people like Bosmi, it really. I mean, you know, fear of, no, of upsetting I, somebody was like enough. And to, that I can completely appreciate. I know it really, really upset a lot of people. And I, being very good friends with a couple of people that did get cut, a really um, people that I found to be interesting and talented and certainly good enough to have a huge career in this in the business that I had seen at the time and the business that I see now um, mm -hmm. was so disappointing. It was so disappointing. You know, and some of, and one of these people, I, I'm not going to say his name, but uh, one of these people certainly had the same attitude that I have right now, which is like, I don't care. I don't care about your warning. I don't care about your cut. And then they, they cut him. And I remember talking to him afterwards and him being like, eh, I should have cared. <laughs> you know, I mean, so it was certainly like, it was a, it was a very cavalier approach on my part. Um, I don't it think it was necessarily the best. But you stuck with it. Yeah, I just doubled down. <laughs> Why not? Why not? So do you uh, remember your the whole showcase experience and um, how did you find that i 
I was I was kind of bummed out by the showcase experience because we went to Los Angeles and we did not go to New York. And New York was certainly a place that I was much more interested in living and going to. Um, and, and what's very funny about that now is that I actually find LA very attractive. I like Los Angeles. I have a lot of people that I have known through the years have now moved there and lived there. And um, I like it. I like it a lot. I've never lived there myself, so I, I don't have that experience. But um, yeah, I, it's, it's funny how kind of just time changes things. But um, at the time, I had kind of a, I, I didn't have the best attitude going in. Um, because I, it was, I was automatically on the list of people that were not going to live there. Right. I, mm-hmm. you know, so if that agent does tap you on the shoulder and they're like, so when are you moving to Los Angeles? I'd be like, no, I'm not. Um, I didn't set a lot of meetings. I didn't go to a lot of meetings, but my attitude was as such, you know, I was just like, well, I'm not going to live here anyway. I'll figure something else out. And then I ended up staying in Chicago for another 13 years before I moved to New York. You know, so um, it was a really, I, 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 that was, that kind of took my sail, that took the wind out of my sails more, probably more than any single experience at the theater school. I was very, yeah, I was very disappointed with the whole thing. I came back and I was just like, oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not good mm-hmm. enough for this. Hmm. I didn't know you lived in New York. When did you? Uh, from 2008 until 2013. What, did you go out there for a job? Um, no, I, I went out there because um, I, I kind of felt that in Chicago, I, the, the casting was as such where I, I, I kind of kept revisiting a lot of the same characters. I was, I was revisiting this kind of like larger, um, not too bright um, guy uh, that just would kind of manifest in different plays. Um, or I would be, you know, a, a pretty arch villain, you know, or, or like one or the other. Um, and I was like, you know, I, I need, if I can get away from Chicago, Chicago is going to be there for me. Chicago has always been there for me. It's, it's a great city and I love living here. Um, but it was a, it was an opportunity for me to go and kind of, see what else was up and meet other writers and meet other actors and, and start well, kind of working in the art form that I kind of started working in here that I felt was kind of like, I was kind of drifting into this kind of very commercial theater world that um, I wasn't terribly interested in. Um, I, the question I like to ask is um, um, if, if you're uh you know, you, you have a child. If your child comes to you and says, Hey, I'm, I want to go to theater school. I'm going uh-huh. to theater school. <laughs> you said, uh-huh. uh-huh. What do you say I to her? Um, I, I tell her to think about it. I don't know if I would have gone, you know, in this particular climate right now, I know, I know why I went then, but looking at it now and seeing kind of the way the industry has, really moved into um well and especially now because of covid and all the stuff it's i i it's like moved into a much more digital kind of world i would encourage her instead of maybe to go st- and study acting to study film 
or study production or uh, write uh, for entertainment or, you know, do do something that you can do. And the acting will come if you practice, as long as you keep a practice, as long as you keep doing it for yourself or for other people. I mean, eventually you're going to have to do it for other people, but like there's part of this job is to these muscles atrophy for me, they atrophy really quickly. So it's one of those things where it's like, you have to keep practicing. And if you keep practicing, it will come. So you can do that as a writer. You can do that as a, uh, as a standup. You can do that. There's a lot of other kind of options for you. I don't know if college is really going to exist. I don't know if the conservatory really in the way that it was set out for us so many years ago is actually going to exist in the same way. Um, and taking a movement to music class via Zoom doesn't make a lot of sense to me, you know, because so much of this is, is about physical content, uh, physical contact, uh, contact. It's a, it's right. about like, you know, not being afraid to touch someone consensually, of course, I, you know, I'm not saying anything yeah. gross, but I'm just saying like being very aware of where you are in a space with somebody else is a huge part of the job. It is. And as someone who just, I just taught last year at the, at DePaul virtually, um, I taught the fourth year BFAs and they were telling oh, wow. me African dance on zoom horror stories. I mean, like, African dance was truly one of the worst. You and I did, uh, Gina and I did our final project together, and we entered the dance circle with game oh cartwheels. Um, that was oh ridiculous. And, and they, did it still, they did it on Zoom. They did it on Zoom, and the Zoom would freeze, and they couldn't get the moves because they couldn't see the teacher. And I was like, yes. what, what are we doing? But uh, that's right, you guys <laughs> hilarious i mean it was like terrible i couldn't do a cartwheel if you paid me four thousand dollars now no, I'd, I'd break a hip so you were mentioning writing and um are you writing now or what's what's percolating in your mind about writing um i have written you know it, it's i you know since i have written <laughs> i i am not really writing very much uh i this whole covid thing i'll tell you um march happened and it was like um fix your life everybody get out there and do the thing you've never done write the great american novel do the thing and i was really on the other side where it was just like this is time for me to watch a lot of tv Amen. and uh gain a little mm -hmm. weight and just kind of like chill out. Mm -hmm. I mean, just really like relax and kind of wait for the world to come into some kind of focus. And now that it, it, it even we're still kind of in and out with, um, oh, not quarantine, but with uh, shelter in place, we're kind of in and out with that now in Chicago anyway. Um, and my daughter's uh, in school virtually a hundred percent of the time. So we're together Monday through Friday, every day. Um, it has been uh, now like writing is becoming more attractive to me again. And there's a, you know, there's a couple of things that I, I certainly would, would come back to, but I just haven't motivated yeah. myself to do it. Um, yeah. That's the big, yeah, you know, before that, I was actually writing a fair amount. That's the big um, myth since, that since everybody Stanford. has perpetuated on themselves, on each other, this whole idea. Well, first of all, we're a, cult, a culture obsessed with productivity. 
and we've really blurred the line it's become like that creativity equal i mean sorry productivity equals you know happiness which it absolutely doesn't and this like the good vibes only people i don't I can't relate to this. And I think it's like such a cancer on, on people to like give them this idea that they should never have a bad vibe about something. It's like, oh, oh, well, I guess if you, I guess if you, I guess there's plenty of people who take themselves out of the sort of like political equation of things and because they don't, they're never going to be affected by <laughs> policy change. <laughs> Um, but it's truly perverted this idea that like, and, and the shame that everybody, and I guess I'm just off on my own tangent, but like the shame that everybody is made to feel about not being productive is gross. It's so gross. And it's a group delusion. You know, you talk about, Gina talks about it like a group delusion. It's a group. We're buying into this group lie that like, we have to get a bunch of stuff done and it's killing people. I mean, people are, you know, you, mm-hmm. you, 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 you don't have to do shit. I mean, we have to do certain things because we'll die if we don't. But other than that, it's like, I've always a big fan of whatever gets you through the night, as long as you're not really, you know, hurting someone else or yourself. And even that, if you're hurting yourself, you're hurting yourself. But like, I, yeah. I'm glad you didn't say you didn't be like, yeah, I wrote, you know, 10 novels and I wrote it because yeah. it's important for people to hear that, like people get through are getting through this time all different kinds of ways, you know? Absolutely. So you're doing Fargo right now? Fargo. Yeah, it's it's wrapped. It's done. Um, but uh, yeah, I did it. And um, yeah, I have some pretty good episodes coming up and I'm, I'm, I'm stoked. It's good. It's really good. And I'm. Um, yeah, and everything that I've seen so far has been great, and and um, and I, I, I and I still have that like hypercritical thing even from school. I still have it today. But I, even watching myself in this, as nervous and as anxious as I get about it, I'm very happy with the work that I'm doing. It's good. That's I think fantastic. I can't wait to see yeah, it. Yeah, I think it's great. Yeah, please see it. Yeah, I I could always work more. I, I want to do this all the time, you know? It's like, I could, it's never enough. It's never enough. Theater's a weird, it's a, it's a weird career. I mean, yeah, it's just a very strange is. career. You know, it is a strange career, but you're doing it. Yeah, but I mean, I, I'm kind of a strange guy, you know? It, you are. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm kind of, you know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Different beat, different drummer, you know, marching along. You know, the whole thing, different, different, different outfit, different hat. (laughs) Whole different thing. You know, I look like an organ grinder's monkey most of the time. (laughs) But you're very good at it. Well, yeah, you know, be who you are, you know. (laughs) You are going to, you are going to definitely be one of these people that they say was an overnight success after your 20 years of, uh, well, I uh, plucking away at it. I certainly hope so. It would be nice. <laughs> it would be nice. Do you have a good agent? I do. I, I'm I'm happy with my agent. I I have to kind of rework a lot of this uh, like management agent stuff in my head. I kind of was like I came back from New York. I had a not so great situation. I I did really. I'm very happy with the work that I did in New York. Um, 
very happy with the work that he did in New York. Um, and when I came back to Chicago, it was like, I kind of, I, you know, took a couple of meetings and met some people and I ended up going back with the agent that I had before I left. And I'm very happy with them and him most of the time. I mean, there's, there's always, you know, there's always something, but I, I kind of, kind of figure out how to, I think it's just on me. I have to push myself more in that regard. I have to be, I just have to be better at that kind of stuff. It's like, I'm realizing that, you, mean like you know, self-promotion? I, say again. you mean self-promotion? Yeah. Like that's the, that's the thing that I've been really been, I, I've been really bad at that for the whole time. I mean, that's the, that's the thing that I just don't like. And uh, that's the thing that I avoid. And now I'm kind of like, oh, well, we're going to do all these uh, auditions from home. So I'm like on eBay looking up like giant lights and stuff like that mm-hmm. for my new mm-hmm. film studio yeah. that I'm going to build in the basement. It's like, I'm not. I, I, it's like, I, it's, I'm going to do it with my phone and I'm going to turn on all the lights in the house to make it as bright as I can. And I, we're going to try it like that for a while. Yeah. I also think that, you know, you never know what's going to happen. Fargo is a big, big deal. So I'm saying personally, from the business point of view, I'm like, ride the Fargo train, Eric Slater, and For get sure. out there on the Fargo train, <laughs> because that's a brilliant show. I, yeah. I was part, I helped, I was cast, I was at PR when they were casting yeah. it and it's, it's incredible talent. So I'm just saying it's a huge deal to be on Fargo. I'll help self promote you. You ride the Fargo train, you get on the next Fargo train. Yeah. To find a new Fargo train. I do have to say just, I, the Fargo on Fargo season four, you'll see a lot of really good Chicago people. Chicago looks really good in the, in the That's show. Amazing. It looks- nice as well. It should. Well, Eric, this has been fantastic. Oh, good to see you. You, you're a real artist. I'm serious. You're like an artist artist, and I love it. So thank you so much. Oh, you guys are both wonderful. Thank, thank you. you so much. This was great. I was re- I was a little good. nervous. I had no idea what this was going to be. I thought we were oh. going to, like, you know. Trash the theater. Yeah, stuff. just talk shit about John <laughs> Jenkins the whole time. Who I love, by the way. <laughs> He's amazing. Oh, well, should we talk I Survive Theater School is an Undeniable Inc. production. Jen Bosworth-Ramirez and Gina Polici are the co-hosts. This episode was produced, edited, and sound mixed by Gina Polici. Follow us on Instagram at Undeniable Writers or on Twitter at Undeniable W-R-I-T-1. That's Undeniable Write without the E-1. Thanks.